Are you serious? I've got a fire in my Welcome, welcome one more time to the Brother Marcos radio show. Yes, my friends, this is the fourth year of the Brother Marcos radio show. Can you believe that? I think we started actually three years ago in February 2014. Yes, my friends, we're going to the fourth year, the beginning of the fourth year of the Brother Marcos radio show. I really appreciate, you know, the ones with the patience <laughs> to keep uh, listening to our show, giving your attention. Thank you very much for that. And uh, I pray every day that I'm able to really be useful to you, to really bring something that is that glorifies Jesus Christ and that glorifies Jesus Christ in your life that that's that's the idea here you know to bring you some kind of biblical truth and and also ideas and, and, and analysis that that will add something of value to your lives okay and I thank you very much for your time you and, and your attention I appreciate I appreciate it very much. I ask that you keep praying for us. Praying for us, my friends, because there's a lot of resistance against this show. And, uh, you know, I never had, actually had any kind of uh, computer or electronic problems. Some people say, well, when, you know, when I try to, to, to record my show, my <laughs> computer will just, you know turn off or explode I don't know but that 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 never happens to me but on the other hand I'll tell you it, it, I have to be in prayer because before I do my show there's always something happening you know something that uh, it could be a discussion with someone or something like today for example I was you know traffic here is crazy but it's more than crazy it's like you know people will come in the the you know one-way street and try to block block you you know they will come from nowhere or like I'm trying to cross the street with my car and here comes a motorcycle with no lights on you know lights turned off so I could not see that motorcycle he almost hit me and it's interesting that they don't stop. You know, the guy would, he would not stop. It was like he wanted to, to really uh, create this accident, you know. And those things, my friends, they happen right before I'm going to record a show. And, 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 and this has been, unfortunately, uh, a habit right now of the enemy, okay? So... Keep us in prayer. It's important. We really count on that because, you know, I'm sure that the enemy doesn't like what we're doing here. 
So pray for us, pray for the Villanuevas, Paul and Linda, pray for uh, our friends in uh, Radio Redemption in Power, Javier and the brother Luis Tejera, because my friends, uh, you know, we need, we need your prayers. Okay, thank you very much. And uh, today I'm going to talk about a very important topic. We're going to talk about our plans. God laughs at your plans. Did you know that? Because, my friends, that's the way we are. In the minute that Adam fell from grace, when he fell because he sinned, he disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden, his whole reality changed. Because he was used to live in perfect submission to God. And because of that, he had perfect fellowship. And what I want to show you today is that both in the personal level, in the level of the church, what happens is that when we decide not to live in submission to God, immediately, my friends, we lose direction, we lose meaning, we lose discernment, and we lose wisdom. So no wonder the church is completely crazy these days, promoting false doctrines, and uh, rituals, superstitions, th influences from Eastern religions. You know why? I was wondering, I was wondering very hard this last week, you know, how is it possible that some people that, you know, you know, they are Christians, they know the Lord, they have read the Bible, they have done many good things for other people and for the Lord, they have witnessed they have evangelized a lot and suddenly they are involved with things like contemplative prayer or strange liturgies from the Anglican Church, you know, from the Catholic Church. I mean, how come that they cannot see that? And uh, I think that one of the reasons, one of the answers to that question is that, my friends, they are not in submission to God. And it's very easy for us to really, to really say, well, okay, I have this plan, I have all, everything figured out, and then, my friends, I'll just pray about it. That's what people say, okay? Especially ministries and uh, churches, they will say, okay, we have this, this plan, we're going to plant a church here, we're going to do this this evangelistic crusade here, we're going to do this and that, okay, but we're going to pray about it, okay? You're not going to pray about it. You're not asking. You're not really asking for God's direction once you have decided what you're going to do. You're only giving some kind of excuse. You're looking for excuse for your pride, okay? Because you have already decided what you want to do. You're not, you're not living in submission, okay? It would be better if you said, okay, I'm going to do this because I want, because I think it's best, and just move ahead. But when you say, no, I'm going to pray about it, and, but you're really not willing to listen to the Lord, because you did not listen to the Lord before you made your plans. It's even worse. It's even worse, okay? Because you're really using the name of the Lord in vain to justify your own decisions. And that's what we see in a personal level too. 
And I'll tell you, my friends, especially you, my, my American friends, it's very hard for you to change your mindset about, you know, personal plans because you have been taught since childhood that you can make all the difference in the world, that you can be the president of the United States. Any child in the United States, in America, can be the next president. It's only up to you. That's what they tell you, okay? It's only up to you. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, all the self-help literature, all the self-help books, they come from America. Dale Carnegie, Dale Carnegie, very famous author, he, he used to say, you know, you have uh, to make friends. You know, he has a book about making friends and winning people to your side and how through, you know, personal discipline, you can really achieve anything. You have Stephen Covey. Stephen Covey is a, was a Mormon, okay? He, he, you know, he had that Franklin uh, agendas, you know? I used to have some. They're very good. But he had the seven habits of highly effective people, okay? If you just follow those seven habits, you're going to conquer the world. You're going to be super efficient. You're going to be a CEO. And what, what Americans do, they use the same kind of strategy to their spiritual lives. You know, see how interesting it is? Because the other one in this triad of false teachers is Norman Vincent Peale. Same thing, the power of positive thought. Whatever you think, you can achieve. If you have the discipline. And I'll t I told you many times, that's one of the reasons of the wealth and the success of America. Because it works very well in the material sense. Okay? You can get rich. You can move ahead if you follow, you know, these, these uh, strategies. But you know, these strategies, they come from a guy that killed himself, committed suicide. You know, that's Dale Carnegie. He killed himself. The other one, Steve Covey, he's a Mormon, okay? He's an heretic, heretic person, okay? And the other one is Norman Vincent Peale. He's a new wager in theosophist, Luciferian. So you see, my friends, there's nothing spiritual about those strategies. Let's see what the Bible tells us about our plans. In Matthew 16, 25... Jesus Christ says, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. So basically, what Jesus says here is the complete opposite. It's 100% contrary to what those self-help gurus will tell you. Okay? Because, my friends... The spiritual world, the kingdom of God, is in opposition to the kingdom of the world. The kingdom of God, you know, it's the place where the least will be the first. Okay? Where the, the, the people who are the most humble will, will be the best, will be number one. The poor in spirit... Poor in spirit means that you don't, do not rely on yourself. 
It means that you know you are so broken that you say, I cannot do anything by my own strength. I need God. Because I came to a point where things don't work for me. Where my ideas, where my plans don't work. So I need God. That's what means being broken in the spirit. You just give up trying to live by your own strength. Those guys will be the first in the kingdom of God. So you see, this is in complete opposition of all the teachings of the self-help gurus. And I'll tell you, those guys, they wrote their books, uh, most of them, in the beginning of the 20th century. And they had such a big impact and influence in America that, you know, throughout the 20th century, and it's still strong today. And now they have invaded the church through the emergent, emergent church movement. Rick Warren, Brian McLaren... All those guys who basically follow the teaching, the teachings of, uh, you know, uh, corporate gurus, business gurus, Peter Drucker, you know, he was a Kabbalist, by the way, Peter Drucker. And uh, so they use all those ideas, you know, and they implement those ideas inside the churches. So the churches, they do not really rely on the Holy Spirit anymore. They rely on plans and strategies. That's why I, say, I said in the beginning of the program, you know, this is a problem in the personal, in the personal sphere and uh, in the church sphere. Okay, you have this, this basically it's all around. Okay, because this is the mindset of the world. And I'm here to tell you, my friends, you have to get away from that. Get away. Because it really destroys your spiritual walk with the Lord. My friends, listen to Proverbs 19, 19, 21. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. So see, my friends, it's interesting that it goes on and the next verse is, what is desirable in a man is his kindness. So you see how, how really God is much more interested in the state of your heart, in your kindness. That's what is desirable, you know, than your plans. He doesn't care about your plans. You can make plans all day. But it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. And I know so many people, you know, it's so easy for you to just distort this teaching because people say no I need to know the will of God right now but why do you need to know the will of God because you want to do something about it okay because you don't trust you don't have faith so you want to know the will of God so you can do something about it so you can add something to it so you can accelerate that the will of God for you so you can implement your own plan on top of the will of God. That's the problem. And no, I, I have, I have met some people, my friends, that they were so obsessed about knowing the will of God. The will of God for you, my friends, is just to obey Him and live in submission. Okay, that's the will of God for you. The Bible says that the will of God for you is to be sanctified. 
So it's much more about the state of your heart than anything else. It's not about your plans. It's not about, you know, what you do. It's much more about what you are. I'm not saying that you should not do anything. Okay? Of course you should do things. Okay? And But my friends, the way we do things is that it's when we follow the teaching of Jesus Christ. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So basically, my friends, God is the one that will open the opportunities. Okay? If you follow him just one day after the other. And then the opportunities for good work will happen. Because, you know, God says that he has chosen us from the beginning of time to do his good works. I'm paraphrasing now, but anyway, that's the idea. You have good works prepared for you. So, you know, just keep calm. Do you remember that, you know, those posters with the crown? And it just says, keep calm, you know. And so it's just keep calm and wait for God. That's what you should do. But no, people cannot do that. They need the plans. They need plans. They need the ideas for themselves. What's the will of God for me? Because I'm going to do that right now. Okay, I'm going to accelerate the will of God for me. You know? Okay? But then the, the Bible comes and tells us, James 4, verses, verse 14. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this in that city. Spend a year there. Carry on business and make a profit. You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What's your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you watch to say, if the Lord is willing, we will live and do this and that. So you see, do not boast of tomorrow. You have no idea. Here in Brazil, we have this guy. This guy, he was the seventh richest person on earth he had more than 10 billion dollars my friends he was a con man you know a con artist okay but he was a billionaire he was arrested monday they shaved his hair he used he had a toupee a very sophisticated toupee made of silicon okay because he was so vain okay but now no toupee anymore his toupee cost $50,000. I'm not kidding. <laughs> but they shaved his hair, his head, and he's now in a jail cell with five criminals. He's sharing a jail cell with five criminals, my friends. And he used to be the seventh richest man in the whole world. The, his, the name of the guy is A.K. Batista, you can check that E I K E. So that's how the world works. And if you think that you know you can plan, yeah, I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna, you know, I mean, come on. And you think you can do that with the church? What's the difference? What's the difference? You have a, you have a, a plan. You know, Rick Warren says that you have a purpose, that you can put that purpose on paper and make an action plan, a checklist. And then you're going to follow that. And if you do that and get involved with his church and gives, if you give money to his church, 
then you're going to be successful. But I tell you, this is completely the contrary. The contrary of what the Bible tells us. And Rick Warren, he has done the work of Satan in the church because has spread this self-sufficiency perspective all around us because people they get excited okay their vanity and their pride they love that their wicked hearts they their sinful nature they they love it's the pride of the world my friends okay it's the pride of the world let's put let, let's make this a strategic plan a marketing plan from Peter Drucker from the emerging church because you know the simple gospel the truth is you know they don't believe the simple gospel that if they really submit to God and do hum, you know and, and, and just be humble and do those simple tasks one after the other God will bless them and they will move on to greater things they don't believe that they, they really trust their own plans their strategic plans marketing plans it's very sad Proverbs 19 says many plans are in a man's heart but the counsel of the Lord will stand I just told you this okay it's amazing my friends it's amazing you should not do that in your personal life and you should not do that in your ministry or in church okay all right my friends let's stop for a minute and uh, we will be back you are listening to the kapow radio show network kapow stands for kingdom against powers of wickedness kapow is sponsored by Facebook media a digital publisher of ebooks fifthhookmedia.com has a selection of ebooks about spiritual warfare and christian living visit fifthhookmedia.com that's f-i-f-t-h-o-o-k media.com remember that's fifthhookmedia.com f-i-f-t-h-o-o-k Okay, my friends, we are back from the commercial break, and uh, we were talking about the need to be submissive to God, not to be crazy, you know, just trying to understand the will of God for you, what are the perfect plans, you know, what I'm going to do. My friends, you know what you should do? Do what you think is best for you then check with the Bible and beware of sin okay is there sin involved don't do it do you think that that thing will boost your pride and your vanity don't do it watch out watch out for the love of the world okay for for the flesh and for temptations from Satan that's basically you know where the danger lies but if you see that that path that way you know, you have the mind of Christ. If you think that's going to be good for you, that's not going to be detrimental to your spiritual growth, just move ahead. God never told us that He's going to give us a perfect plan, a perfect strategy for our lives. Do not torture yourself. This is part, my friends, of the curse of Adam. 
the moment that Adam was away from the paradise uh, of the Garden of Eden, he was much on his own. He had to work. He had to devise plans in order to get food. He had, you know, to, to, to get his hands dirty. Unfortunately, my friends, the separation from God is the curse of this world. And it's only going to end for good once we are in heaven. Because we are now, you know, the Bible tells us that we're in Christ. It's true. We're, you know, we're positionally, you know, uh, judicially, okay? A rightful position. We have the right, okay, to be in Christ. But our situation right now, we're, we're not there yet. We're not in paradise yet. You know, the, the, the lawyers, they say, uh, we are the jury, but we are not de facto, okay? We have the right, but we have not, we are not enjoying that right 100%. Of course, there is the providence of God. Of course, if you trust God and if you have faith, there's a lot of promises that God will help you, that he's going to give you insight, that he's going to give you wisdom, most of all. He's going to open doors. But I'll tell you, and this is my opinion, but 90% of the times you will not know that God did something for you, okay? That accident that you escaped, maybe you didn't realize it was God that gave you deliverance. That opportunity that you had, it was God that brought to you your way. But sometimes, I'll tell you, most of the times, in a way that you don't even realize that only when we are in heaven we're going to see all the things that God ha have done, has done for us, okay? So my friends, I am very, very concerned because of the, you know, things that are happening in the church too, because the churches, they are following this crazy, crazy things, this crazy teachings. And, but when we go back to the, you know, going back, especially to the book of Acts, and you see, uh, you know, the way that God led Paul, Peter, you know, it was all, they, they were instruments of God. They made themselves available. They went, you know, they had something uh, very special. They had the miracles that they could perform, you know, but they had the message. And you would see very clearly that in Acts, the Bible tells us that God would open the ears of some people. And everywhere they went, it was like God opened the ears of these new believers, and Satan would use other people in order to fight them. Okay? So their responsibility was just to go there and talk. And just, you know, to, to, to promote... Uh, the, the, the news of the gospel of salvation through Jesus Christ. That, that's how, how they, they work. And we see here 1 Corinthians 2. Paul says to the people in Corinth, in uh, Greece, was Achaia, it was a province of Rome at that time. So he said here, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came out to you, I did not come with eloquence, 
with oratory, you know, with nice words, or human wisdom, you know, strategic plans, emerging church plans, Peter Drucker, Rick Warren plans, strategic plans for delivering the gospel. No. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus and Him crucified. You see how simple it is? I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, you know, taken from the pastors.com website from Rick Warren or from all the ministries that you know they, they, they you know Paul was not he, he didn't went through the, 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 the courses on leadership that they have now for pastors but with a demonstration of spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom but on God's power so my friends it's here the blueprint for evangelism is here. Okay? And not only evangelism, but developments, development of disciples. Because that's what a disciple is. A disciple is not, you know, that passage says, you know, go all over the world and make disciples. It doesn't mean just convert people. You have to make disciples. You have to teach people. You have to give them conditions where they can grow information support fellowship and you do that in the power of the spirit you do not do that with human wisdom you do not do that with wise and persuasive words so why is the church completely immersed today in human plans and I'll tell you, I find it so funny <clears throat> because I have a master's in business administration. So I'm very familiar with this kind of thing, thinking. And I'll tell you, those things, they don't work even in business anymore. There's a lot of people saying, you know, just, just like Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs was completely against any kind of strategic planning. He didn't like research, market research or anything like that. He had more faith. than many Christians do today. Of course, he had faith in himself, but anyway, he had more faith in himself than many Christians today have in the power of the Spirit. And that's why he was so successful, because he had this great intuition. Steve Jobs, I'm talking about Steve Jobs, that he could say, I, I will not follow this strategic plan, you know, because things change, because I need to really be flexible, in order to really uh, see where the, the, you know, the wind is blowing. The direction that the wind is blowing is important to me. But Christians, no, they want a plan. And they will set up a plan. And then they will say, I will, I will pray about it. Why should you pray about it if you already have set up your mind? You're wasting your time. You are wasting your time, you know, and, and, and that's what's happening, my friend. Because of those plans, they want to 
you know, it's all about growth. I want to grow, grow, grow. And they forget all the other aspects of the church. Because the church is not all about growth. It's just one tiny part of the church. Okay? But it's the part, I'll tell you, it's the part that is mo mo more fulfilling for pastors and for missionaries, you know, because you want to see things growing. It's good for your pride. It's good to have the numbers to show to your supporters. Because who wants to visit orphans and widows? Few pastors, they want to do that. I know some who do. And I thank God for them. But you know, I have this inter interesting article here talking about six functions of the church. Okay? Six, six functions of the church. There's a lot of, my friends, there's a lot of uh, fellowship, or there should be lots of fellowship in the church. Okay? Accept one another. Romans 15. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. Ephesians. Okay? Encourage one another and build each other up. 1 Thessalonians 4. Spur one another in toward love and good deeds. Hebrews 10. You see, my friends, there's a lot of uh, talk about fellowship. Because of what I told you before. You know, we're living in a falling world. Things are difficult. So where you, you get solace, where you get fellowship, where you get encouragement, you should get that in church. And I'll tell you, the church, I, I guess that, you know, the main purpose of the church is to glorify God, actually. But we glorify God, you know, through the love we have to, for each other. So the church is basically a place that is directed to the believers. You know, of course the church is open to unbelievers but that's a secondary secondary purpose there are many 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 purpose both purposes here we have worship number one speak to one another with psalms hymns and spiritual songs ephesians 5 sing joyfully to the lord it's fitting for the upright to praise him praise the lord with the harp make music to him Psalm 33. So we go there to praise the Lord, to give Him worship. And worship, it's a good thing because, you know, it's not only good because God deserves it, because He created the universe, He's our Father, and uh, He deserves uh, the, the, our praise. But it, it's also good for us. It's good. Emotionally, it's good. Okay? You feel energized and you feel... You know, you feel happy if you. There is a spiritual side to worship. So that's one of the purposes of the church. And here we have also the spiritual practices. Okay, we have prayer. It's a place to pray. So you pray for each other, first of all. Okay, you love each other. You pray for each other. Okay. But you pray for a country, you pray for, you know, for the politicians, you pray for people in need. It's a good place to get together and pray. And it's a place to study the Bible. Okay? So these are spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices that are being, today, they're being exchanged by occult 
Eastern religion practices like contemplative prayer, circle prayers, candles, rosaries, you know, just go to the website of the Anglican Church, you can find all those things there. You know, they're changing the meaning of spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines, my friends, is basically prayer and the study of the Bible. Okay? And then we have discipleship. Discipleship is, you know, it's fundamental because how can you grow? You grow helping other people. When you have someone that will help you, will teach you, will guide you through the study of the Bible, because, you know, especially when you're a baby Christian, when you're a baby in Christ, you know, some things are hard to understand. Okay? But you see, I like this. I like the idea that, I, that, that first of all, let, let, let me stop here. First of all, to make a disciple, you don't make a disciple for yourself. You're not a guru. You make a disciple for Jesus Christ, okay? Many people today, they have like discipleship courses and, and discipleship manuals where this guy is the leader and the other people that are being disciple, they're like uh, his disciples. I mean, it's completely crazy, but that's the way it is today. Okay? And I like, for example, my friends, what... Uh, John MacArthur. John MacArthur is a very well-known reformed pastor, and uh, and he says here that many people think that the statement of the church, you know, make disciples of all the nations. Most churches understand it as a command to evangelize the world, okay, to convert as many people as possible, but. The verb translated as make disciples is beautiful, complex, carrying more meaning than simply accumulating converts. It communicates the idea of a learning believer, someone who's growing his faith and his love for the Lord. So you see here? Uh, and then he comments on John 8, 31, where Jesus says, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. So you see, that's the difference between a one-time profession of faith and a lifetime of spiritual growth increasing godliness, between counterfeit and genuine conversion. But you know, my friends, it's a lot of work. <laughs> I agree with John MacArthur. I think this is a great, a great article here. I'm going to post this on the Facebook page, Brother Marcos Radio at facebook.com and also on the fifth hook me fifth hook media uh, facebook page but anyway so you see my friends to make disciple especially in an age like this one come on everybody has heard about jesus christ what you're gonna see oh here here's the bible here's jesus everybody knows about jesus the problem is that people don't want to accept him as savior and people who, who say they have accepted Jesus, they don't know anything about him. So, if you have a church that only thinks about evangelism, it's like, you know, if you have, have one, one leg that is longer than the other one. So, you have, you know, it's all out of balance. You're going to limp. And if you try to run, you're going to fall. That, that's what's happening today. Number four, fellowship. The church, 
is sometimes called a, a fellowship. It's a network of relationships. Okay? Even the Apostle Paul, although he was a giant in the faith, felt that he could be strengthened in faith by other Christians. Romans 1st 12. Because, my friends, it's hard to be a Christian. You're going to be attacked. Satan will try to destroy all the work that you try to do. You're going to face trials and tribulations and persecution. And if there's no fellowship there, because people, you know, in the church, they're so concerned about their plans, strategic plans to evangelize, you know, other countries, you know, and they spend all their times in congresses, conferences, seminars. They don't have time to even listen to you. What kind of fellowship is that? It's completely out of balance, okay? We have service, service. As we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. You see how interesting here, Galatians 6, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. But I'll tell you, you know what happens in those in the emerging churches today? You go there, you listen to all those plans, all the, those fantastic ideas, and you know the music is great. The music comes straight from Hillsong, it's just to make you feel good. And then you leave the church, and nobody will ever talk to you during the whole week. Sometimes people go to church, they don't talk to anybody, and then they leave, and they will spend their whole weeks. You know, with their problems, lonely, you know, being attacked by the devil. You know, so it, it's completely inefficient. The church, church is not working. Of course, we have the exceptions, okay? You know, I have told you about the church that was helping my grandmother. That's a church of service. That service, my friends, they were going there, they were talking to her, they were visiting at home because she could not really walk. That service, my friends. And, and here we have number six, evangelism. Of course evangelism is important, my friends, but it's just one part. One of the six main purposes of the church. Okay? Yes, my friends, that, that's how it works. That's how it works. But, you know, they won't tell you that. They won't tell you that. They, they, they will say, you know, Rick Warren will say, no, we're going to save the world. You know, things start, they, they start small. It's like we're going to have an impact. They love this word. We want to see every church having a kingdom impact. We believe you do too. Oh yes, the church that God really saved me from, the church that I attended for 20 years and then I had to stop because they were starting to have uh, teachings on contemplative prayer and Eastern meditation in Bible school. Now they are doing this thing called the refresh course. Oh yeah, they, ha they, have, they want to fulfill the mission, okay? And they say that the mission is reproducing churches and, you know, and mobilize evangelism. You know, they, they, in the six functions of the church that we talk about, they're only picking one part and saying that's the whole purpose of the church. And they're neglecting all the other parts. Okay? And it's very interesting, my friends, that 
they have here a presentation, a PowerPoint presentation. One of the slides that they have, they have a church life cycle. And they have this graph, this chart that says, you know, the church will grow and then eventually after some time it starts to decline. So you have to do something before it starts to die. And what we do is to apply those strategic plans. And they, they even use the word strategic plan. And they stop and they will have all this plan of all the things that they're going to do. And then they will pray just a little just to justify the decisions that they have already made. You know, it's like the church without their help, without the help of human wisdom, which is not even wisdom anymore. Because, you know, this comes straight from the product cycle concept in marketing. Marketing says that, you know, and this is an old, antiquated, old-fashioned marketing concept that is not even in use anymore that says that product will grow after being launched and will acquire a lot of customers and then it's going to be stable and eventually it's going to you know disappear because people don't like that anymore you know it, it doesn't even work in product marketing anymore because there's a lot of products that have been around for more than 100 years okay but they use they they, they use this very concept that's exactly the same the same graph they borrow that from the marketing as a marketing strategy and they use it in church because my friends you know what was the problem they don't have a place to the holy spirit because jesus christ said if you establish the church not even the gates of hell will prevail against it because if you keep it in obedience and submission you know the holy spirit will be there He'll be adding people to that church all the time. He'll give, be giving in ideas, giving the money that they need. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Do you think that God will just let the church die? A church with people that are sincerely following Him in submission? I mean, the whole thought behind this plan here is heretical. It's stupid. It's anti-Christian. But you know, the guy that was there, he is a pastor, he was in Berlin, and I think he has good intentions, but as the saying goes, you know, hell is full of good intentions. That's an American pastor in an international church in Berlin, comes here to Brazil to teach this garbage. Because they love that, I mean, they love flying all around the world, the jet set life, it's great. You know? Why have fellowship? Why have service? All those things that are boring, actually. When you can have a plan, you know, to have international churches that go all around the world and, and have a kingdom impact with this plan. Straight from Peter Drucker. Straight from the emerging church. I mean, it's amazing, my friends. It is amazing. And we have, you know... And, and, and that's the problem, you know, that's the answer to that question that we had at the beginning of the, pro the program. Why they become open to heresies, you know, to occult meditation and crazy things like that? It's because they're not in submission to God anymore. Because they only trust their own hearts, they trust their minds, they trust the strategic plans. That's what they're doing today. That's what they're doing today, my friends. 
And I'll tell you, people, they are so hungry for these schemes, for these crazy projects that we see things, you know, it's every week, it's something new. And, you know, and those things, usually they are seminars, they are uh, conferences, they are courses that come from those parachurch ministries, you know, which is really big business in the United States. It's like you want to make money, you want to have a career, you want to travel all around the world, you just, you know, get involved with these ministries, quote unquote. You know, it, it's crazy. It's just like self-help. It's like Tony Robbins. It's just like self-help conferences, seminars that you pay thousands of dollars to participate with Tony Robbins. You know, where he's going to teach you how to be a millionaire. You know, something like Amway, the pyramid schemes, you know, that you're going to make you rich. Completely. And this is very American, unfortunately. So Americans, open your eyes because, you know, you're living in the midst of, uh, you know, snakes. There is snakes. There's, uh, uh, here's just an, one example of w 100, okay? It's called the If Gathering Conference. It's for women. Remember that I told you there's a lot of women that, you know, they're just tired, they are frustrated. And I'll tell you, you know why? Because of feminism. Because feminism promised so many things to them feminist Marxism, okay, told them that they can be whatever they want to be, that they are champions, that they are magical, that they are goddesses, and now life is just hard, you know, and Christian life, Christian life is twice that hard, you know, and they don't know what to do because they are so restless, okay, and then here they come with the solution straight from the pits of hell. The If Gathering Conference, lots of so-called Christian women here, they're all fashionable. You should, you should see the picture here, okay? They're young and vibrant. They talk about Jesus. They go to church. Some of them even homeschool their kids. It all looks so Christian. But underneath this outer thin Christian layer lies an emergent atmosphere. And the target is your young evangelical daughters and granddaughters. Oh yes, here it is in the lighthousetrailsresearch.com blog. Another article that I'm going to post on Facebook here. Okay, and what they do, they get a lot of uh, people. They're totally into new age, my friends. You know, they have books. They have, uh, you know, courses, seminars. You know, the first statement on their website under who we are is we exist to gather, equip and unleash the next generation of women to live out their purpose. So you see, their mission statement is not to glorify God. It's not even to support you in your spiritual development, in your sanctification, you know, to help you to become more Christ. No, it's to unleash your powers. To live out your purpose. I mean, th th what they say here, for starters, is that we have a purpose. We have a plan. And we have a great plan. You know, the problem is that you don't know the plan. But I'm going to tell you, if you give me money, I'm going to tell your plan. It's not God that's going to tell your plan. It's me. Okay? So you see, my friends, what they do here.
you know, what they're doing, they're manipulating you into believing in them. But you know, the, they know their plans. Their plans, they know. Their plans is to have a career, make a lot of money, travel all around the world. You know, that's their plan. They take very good care of their career plans, okay? But they will tell you, no, you are stupid. You do not have a capability to understand you know what you should do with your life that's why i say you know my friends if you're not in sin if you're not doing anything that is contrary to the bible just move ahead take care of your career take care of your work 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 hard try try to make money because you need money to help other people you need money for your family there's nothing wrong about it just be careful not to you know be so involved and so in love with money and with your career that you know you're gonna you're gonna put this before god but you know my friends they don't have any answers because everybody everybody in the in this world both believers and pagans they need the same things and that's exactly what why jesus told us this you know seek first the kingdom kingdom of god and all the the other things will be added unto you because both pagans and christians they know they need the same things you know and so what they do here they try to give you these crazy ideas and solutions for things that you know they're so obvious one of those those women here one of the leaders there you know what she did she had a voice from the sky yes just like joseph smith from the mormons or muhammad you know she heard a voice from the sky it was the middle of the night it was gather and equip your generation and this was ridiculous because honestly i was a stay-at-home mom i didn't know anybody that could help me with that job and it was a completely ridiculous statement once here we ag i agree with her okay i agree with her gather and equip your generation you see my friends the thing that equip us is the bible okay and we should gather together in churches the churches that are already there we don't need this prophetess this hero hero herring that will gather our generation together and equip us okay so she had this this vision like you know and, and then she she started to read to, to write books anything the prayer that unlocked my god and my soul again why do you need to be unlocked once you're saved you have everything already i just told you you are sitting you know with jesus in heavenly realms you don't need anything unlocked you have everything you have the bible you have salvation okay you are already there understand this my friend once you are really saved if you think Jesus Christ, you really believe that He is the Son of God that died for you at the cross for your sins, you repented. It means that the Holy Spirit touched your heart. That God has chosen you from the beginning of time. There's nothing that needs to be done to unlock your soul. You don't need a book that will teach you the prayer to unlock God and your soul. You don't need her teachings. You don't need to buy this book and pay money, hard-earned money, to this woman. 
understand that because she said she heard a voice from God well that's good because you know who can confront her who can really challenge her if she hears from God okay and it's crazy there's there's another one the name of this woman where where it is where it is the name of this woman here it's basically a witch to something Allen here I mean who cares who cares my friends Jenny Allen there's another one here Sarah Bassey you know that her book is Jesus feminist yes I'm not I'm not kidding her book is called Jesus feminist you know and she says that the problems we have now poverty lack of education war torture the problem is our theology, our beliefs about women, which has roots in what we believe about the nature, purpose, and character of God. So basically what she's telling us is that the Bible is what creates. Because we believe in, Bi in the Bible, literal, literally, okay? We believe that the Bible is the word of God. That's why you have poverty. That's why, why you have human trafficking, war, and torture. That's the kind of poison that comes with this this kind of mentality christian christine king christine king you know she says her her spiritual mother is joyce meyer okay okay and she says here this place is a little bit like god Take this in context, in that like you were omnipresent, you were here, you were across the room, you were down the street, you were all over the world. You see, again, the pride that you, your plans, that your capacity to change things, you change everything. And then, of course, she likes, you know, Rick Warren, Bill Hybels. I like to call him Bill Hellbells. And Melissa Green, another one here. Another one here. She likes to sit in a yoga position. She likes yoga, my friends. And she she likes all the, those guys from the uh, spiritual formation, you know, contemplative prayer, mystical oriental practices, Buddhists. You know, she, she likes, uh, yeah. Thomas Merton, all those Huxley, all those Huxley's like the worst luciferian you know perennialist the light of lucifer but she likes him okay that's it my friends and voss camp they say she's very uh popular she has a book it's called 1000 gifts because you know just seven gifts is not enough for her she has 1000 she has the gift of scamming people of being a swindler that that's a gift she has and then, then she has the influences here. Teresa of Avila, that the, the Catholic nun that had the ecstasies and visions. You know, Julian of Norwich, I think he's another monk. Brennan Manning, Thomas Aquinas, the Catholic. You know, Pierre Teilhard de Chardin, I think he was a Jesuit, also a New Ager. Henry Nowen. You know, occultist, contemplative prayer, champion, you know, occults, all mystic Catholics, my friends. 
okay? So my friends, I'll tell you. We came to the point where one of them says, God will take this hell on earth and someday shows how hell was building heaven. Believe it or not. I mean, the problem is that they lost, they completely lost, my friends, the purpose of Christian living, and the purpose of the church. Okay? They, don't, they do not want to live in submission. You know? I tell you, go to John 21. And listen to the words of Jesus Christ to Peter. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. So you see, my friends, the purpose of the church? Because Peter, you know, he was the one that started the whole thing, the church. You know, He was not the Pope. He was not a Catholic, okay? But he was the first one to whom Jesus really, you know, give orientations about the church and what's the orientation the guidance that he gave Peter feed my sheep feed my lambs it's not go and change the world it's not go and you know be this this international network of churches or let's be change uh, you know use the united nations to destroy poverty with the jesus feminist book or rick warren his peace plan i mean i'm not joking rick warren says he's going to change the world with the help of the united nation he says that he actually says that But, the, but Jesus Christ told no, told no, you have to feed my sheep. So the first responsibility of a pastor of the church is to feed the sheep. He must take care of the church in order for wolves not to jump through the window and devour the sheep with false doctrine, occultism, contemplative prayer, rituals. That's how it works, my friends. But you know what's sad is that Satan knows exactly what he's doing. You know, it, it's a dream. It's a dream from the occultists, the theosophists. Alice Bailey. Alice Bailey is, a, you know, she used to be the head of theosophists. It's basically the official religion of the Antichrist, the Luciferians. 
She used to say, she wrote this, the Christian church in its many branches can serve as St. John the Baptist as a voice crying in the wilderness, as a nucleus, a core, a center, through which world illumination being, being accomplished. In other words, instead of opposing Christianity, the occult would capture and blend itself with Christianity and then use it as its primary vehicle for spreading and instilling New Age consciousness. That's exactly what's happening. She wrote this about 100 years ago, a little less than that. You know? Yes, my friends. One Catholic priest alone taught 31,000 people mystical prayer in one year. You see this? Oh yes, Thomas Merton, I mean, people love him, with the Dalai Lama. That's here, there's a picture of them. And you know what they say, the Christians not to become a Hindu or a Buddhist, nor a Hindu or Buddhist to become a Christian, but each must assimilate the spirit of the others. That's the Guru Vivekananda talking about this. Another guy here, Basil Pennington, says, It's my sense from having meditated with persons from many different non-Christian traditions that in the silence we experience a deep unity. When we go beyond the portals of the rational mind into the experience, there's only one God. Yes, my friends. And they say we work with all people who are vibrationally sympathetic. Okay? Doesn't matter which church you are. So they have been working with that for 100 years. Okay, they sponsored, you know, Peter Drucker, who was a Kabbalist. They sponsored Rick Warren. Do not think that he has all the success that he has today, you know, for nothing. You know, he has the sponsors. And that's the plan. The plan is to make the, the churches so fascinated with their plans strategic plans and visions that, that they stop being submissive to the Holy Spirit. They forget that they're only tools and they start to think they're agents, that they're, you know, independent agents that ca they can do whatever, you know, this, their strategic marketing plans tell them to do, that they're super people. And when they do that, they lose, my friends, all discernment, all wisdom, and they start incorporating heresies. So the heresies, they come from the problem of attitude. It's not they're looking. They're not looking for the heresies. You know, the problem is that those pastors, they open themselves to heresies when they stop following the Holy Spirit in a submissive way and they start to follow their own hearts the fables, the trends from their, their fashionable seminaries, especially in the United States, where everybody's so intellectual. They're so intellectual that the gospel, the simple gospel, is not enough for them. So when you have this kind of arrogant attitude, you lose all discernment, and you let all the heresies and all the false teachings enter the church. And I tell you, my friends, that's... That's, my friend, the problem we have today. And it's also, if you're not a pastor, you, ha you can also have this problem if you apply the same mentality to your life. So, my friends, instead 
of trying to save your life. Lose your life. Trust Jesus. Have faith. Live one day after the other. Try to do the right thing today. The Lord doesn't require more than that. You know, just live your life. Do what you think is right. Check everything with the Bible. You know, there's not, there's not much more than you can do. Live your life today. Try to obey Jesus Christ. He will open the doors. He will give you the opportunities. He said He will feed you. You will, will not lack the good things that you need to survive. Sometimes life's going to be hard. But you have to resist the temptations to find your own solutions. Put that in your mind right now. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for Jesus will find it. Okay? Trust Him. Trust Him. Live one day at a time in obedience. Okay? Trust and obey. That's my message for you today. I hope you have learned something. And uh, God willing, we're going to meet again next week. Bye-bye.